the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thinking about health care these days? Well, you're not alone. And it seems that getting real information about the state of our medical system is tough to come by. That's why you've come to the right place with Dr. Bill, your radio MD. He's got the answers because he's a doctor. I said he's a doctor and he wants to hear from you right now. 877-969-8600. This is AM860, The Answer. And now, it's time for Dr. Bill, your radio MD. Good morning, everybody. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD, and I'm coming at you on 860 AM, The Answer. We are an interactive talk radio station, and you can reach us at, I think it is 877-969-8600. You correct me if I'm wrong, Bill. <laughs> 877-969-8600. That's our call-in number if you want to join the show. And this is an iHeart station, so you can roam around town with your smartphone and keep me queued up 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time every Sunday. I'm your man. And I'm the international Dr. Bill, so you can go to the World Wide Web, Google am 860 com. That's am 860 TheAnswer.com, and you can click Listen Live, or if you miss the show, you can go to the Sunday schedule, scroll down to my show, and there's a link to the past shows that have been saved by Billy Boy at the other end, which I'm grateful for. And I was just commenting and complimenting Bill for a little blurb out of one of my shows he put on for a promo for me, and. I uh, just uh, was really impressed. I didn't know that I sounded that good. At any rate, he probably did something fancy to cl- clean it up and make it sound even better, which is fine with me. I, I mean, I want to sound as as uh, professional and as perfect as I can. Well, today I want to talk about sociopathy, sociopaths. And I've had an interest in this for a long time, along with many other things. I got to tell you, I met a doctor when I first started practice in Hilton Head, South Carolina in the late 70s, and his last name was Thigpen, T-H-I-G-P-E-N. And I said, are you any relation to Corbett Thigpen? And Corbett Thigpen and Harvey Cleckley were two psychiatrists who wrote, Cleckley wrote most of the book, uh, called The Mask of Sanity. And this has been a classic in the psychiatric and psychological world uh, for more than half a decade, more than half a century now. This was written back in the 1940s, and it's an in-depth look at sociopaths. Now, the interesting thing for me was that as I was talking with Dr. Thigpen, he professed to be Corbett's brother. I don't know if he was his brother or if he was the man himself but I know his last name was Thickpin. And 
I said, it's really a fascinating book. And he told me, he said, and guess what? I said, what? He said, a lot of the book is based upon my brother, who is a sociopath and who was in practice with Cleckley for um, several decades. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but it's a fascinating story. The book portrays uh, a number of, oh, wait a minute, we've got Dr. Christine Horner on the line. I forgot, folks, we've got to, I'll have to do this show next week. This week we're doing Dr. Christine Horner, who is a physician and naturopath and health nut from sunny San Diego, California. Good morning, Dr. Horner. How are you? Path. I'm a former surgeon, uh, board-certified general surgeon, plastic surgeon, and got into natural health and uh, certified in Ayurveda. So l- let me re-clarify that then. The good doctor is a board-certified <laughs> surgeon, or was, and and uh, is now shifted over into, how do I say it, not naturopath, but more natural healing arts. How does that sound? Okay, that sounds great. Even better. Good. Yeah. So you've written a book, Dr. Horner. Tell us about your book. I've written a couple of books. So uh, my first book is uh, called Waking the Warrior Goddess, and it's actually a book on all the natural approaches to protecting against and fighting breast cancer. That was one of my passions when I was working as a plastic surgeon, doing a lot of breast reconstructive surgery, and uh, noticing my patients getting younger and younger until finally I started doing breast reconstruction on women in their 20s, and I thought, okay, something's way wrong here. And there's got to be something that women can do. And so I started going through the medical research, and again, this is about 20 years ago, and I found uh, thousands of studies really pointing out exactly why we have a breast cancer epidemic, everything we're doing to contribute to it, and the things that we traditionally don't do in this culture that are highly protective, and they're all natural, so food, supplements, herbs, lifestyle all the things I was not taught in medical school, never had a course in nutrition, um, you know, there. So... That uh, actually took me a path into natural health, you know, with that one, and I ended up uh, pitching the television stations in Cincinnati, Ohio, where I was living at the time. I'm in San Diego now. But uh, I said, hey, let me be your doctor on air doing a segment on complementary and alternative medicine, and they they went for it. So um, I did that for three years on the ABC and NBC station, and then it got syndicated nationwide on the Wisdom Television Network. And I was working 14 hours a day, seven days a week to pull off doing my practice and the television. And so I just woke up one morning and went, you know what, I can't do this anymore. And so I decided to leave my practice and really dedicate myself full time to teaching people how to avoid the knife. So, you know, that's a good thing. Yeah, so my uh, most latest book is uh, on that topic, really, which is uh, called Radiant Health, Ageless Beauty, and uh, it's about everything that you need to do in order to create extraordinary health and longevity, and that came out last year, and actually both my first book, Waking the Warrior Goddess, and my second book, Radiant Health, Ageless Beauty, won uh, National Book Awards for the best book in health, medicine, and nutrition. 
Wow. I didn't know I had such uh, royalty on the line here this morning. Wow. Well, let me ask you this. I want to go back to causes of breast cancer because I guarantee you that my audience would just love to hear what you saw. I mean, we all know about the BRCA gene and that small percentage that are genetically predisposed to breast and ovarian cancer. But in terms of lifestyle and uh, risk factors, what, what is it? What are the big, what are the big uh, hooks that we need to look for? What's interesting is when I went through the medical research, um, I quickly discovered that everything that contributes to breast cancer is a same thing that contributes to ill health in general. So, you know, the standard American diet, which is eating crap, you know, you've got the, you know, red meat, which uh, actually the research shows is one of the number one risk factors for breast cancer. Women who eat the most red meat have a 400% increased risk of developing breast cancer. You know, it's one of the number one risk factors for prostate cancer, colon cancer, and so forth. Um, You know, all the carbs that we have. So it's like, you know, if you think about the white bun, you serve that meal in, people are eating fast food meals, all the chips and sugar and all that kind of stuff, um, you know, it's hugely uh, pro-inflammatory and causes your blood sugar levels to go up. And so what research shows is that almost every chronic disease, we're talking dementia, arthritis, you know, and certain cancers, breast, prostate, and colon cancer, and the most common ones where inflammation plays a huge role in the initiation and progression of it. And also uh, glucose is cancer's favorite food. So the higher your glucose levels, you know, the faster these tumors are going to grow. And then you get kind of a double whammy with that, where when your glucose levels go up like that, your pancreas starts cranking out insulin, which is the hormone to help facilitate getting glucose into the cells. And they found that on tumor cells, kind of across the board, not just specific for breast cancer, but but most all of them, um, have receptors for insulin. And when insulin comes and hooks onto it, it actually acts as a growth factor and speeds up the division of the cells. Um, So they found that women who have the highest uh, insulin levels have a 283% increased risk of developing breast cancer. And, uh, 283 uh, precisely, huh? Uh-huh, that's what. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so, no, okay. Uh, yeah. So then, um, you know, so these fast food meals, I mean, really, when you go through each element that's included in a fast food meal, it's all pro, uh, like, carcinogenic, basically. Um, alcohol, they found a direct linear relationship between the consumption of alcohol and the risk of breast cancer. So one drink a day increases the risk by 11%, two drinks by 22 to 40%, and three drinks by 33 to 70%. And that's because alcohol increases estrogen levels. Um, this actually is true for men, too. I mean, men can get breast cancer, and they, uh, male alcoholics are actually the one subgroup that have a much higher risk of it. And you've seen where men actually have these higher estrogen levels and actually get breast formation called uh, gynecomastia. Well, you, uh, you've got me palpating my breast now because of my, my beer intake. I don't know. Maybe, maybe my breasts need to be put into the x-ray machine there and get squished a little bit. Oh my God. (laughs) Now I feel, I feel terrible guilty. Yeah. Well, so, uh, now, one of the things that happens with alcohol is not just the estrogen levels going up, but it actually destroys some of the liver enzymes that help with detoxification and and also the B vitamin folate or folic acid. 
and so it will destroy that. And folic acid is actually something that's involved in the uh, repair mechanisms of our DNA. So our DNA gets damaged all the time from oxygen-free radicals and, um, you know, and, and inflammation and toxins and so forth like that. And so we have these mechanisms that help to repair the DNA. And when folic acid is low, those DNA repair, repair mechanisms don't work very well. So that means that there can be mistakes that occur in the DNA that are then passed on. And the most common thing that can happen from that is uh, cancer formation. And um, so there was a really smart researcher who said, okay, let's see what happens if we give women folic acid and have them drink alcohol. And so what they found was that the women who were taking the folic acid actually had um, no problems as far as an increased risk if they had one glass a day, you know, moving on to two glasses a day. But beyond that, three glasses a day is something that just really cranks up the, um, you know, the incidence of breast cancer, but also all sorts of different chronic diseases. So you have to be kind of careful with that. Yeah, the uh, um, the it's been known for a long time, folks, that alcohol and and tobacco are are carcinogens for for the breast. So I don't think that that's new research, but certainly it's something that we need to reinforce that mm-hmm. if you're drinking, then keep it in moderation. Uh, there's probably a payoff in terms of the reduce cardiovascular risk with one or two glasses of wine a day, but make sure you're taking your, your B vitamins every day as oh well. God, that's right. Yeah. Oh, I'd always laugh and say, Hey, go out to dinner. I carry it in my purse and start throwing it around the table at everybody. <laughs> oh my God. So you're, you're like a health nut Nazi, huh? <laughs> well, I wouldn't call myself a Nazi. No, I'm very, very conscientious. Yeah. Okay, conscientious. Now, let me ask you this. You have kids? I have a son, one son. He's 33 years old. Mm-hmm. I want to I talk to him and see what you were like at home. Oh, <laughs> Here, well, take this. Know. Honey, you have to take this or you'll drop That's dead. Right. Mom, you're well, crazy. I want to hear that conversation. I mean, he would come in my house and open the refrigerator and go, you got anything in here that's not organic? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, you know, eating organic, plant-based diet is really the thing that's been found to be the most, you know, health-promoting type of diet that you can consume. And, you know, getting exercise, I mean, they find that exercise is something that can lower your risk by, on average, about 30% to 50%. And if you're an avid exerciser like I am, you can actually reduce your risk by 80%. So that has, you know, huge influence. Um, Getting plenty of rest and sleeping at the proper time. So they found that the best hours for the best type of rest that we get is from going to bed before 10 o'clock and getting up by 6 o'clock. So those are the optimal hours and it all has to do with hormonal fluctuations. So we have these hormonal fluctuations that occur throughout the day and throughout the night. If you go to bed before 10 o'clock and get up before 6 o'clock, those hormonal fluctuations are optimal. If you stay up late, they are not. So they've actually found that if you stay up to midnight on a regular basis, your hormonal fluctuations, and this just isn't like estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, it's also talking about the hormone insulin, your sleep hormone, melatonin, stress hormones, cortisol, all of those get so out of balance that the uh, risk of developing heart disease, diabetes, obesity, and certain cancers like breast, prostate cancer, and colon cancer are almost doubled if you stay up to midnight on a regular basis. 
people. You know, I've, I've, I'm now I'm struggling. So you've got me thinking here. Yes, I'm exercising. I'm riding my bicycle to work and home every day or every other day. And the wife's always yelling at me, you're going to get killed. I don't want you riding your bike, especially at night. So I'm trying to weigh the, the risk-benefit ratio of riding my bike and getting hit and killed versus not having cancer. So do we have any research on that that, that I can fall back and look at? I, I would imagine it's where you're riding your bike, right? I mean, that's that's true. Take the, take the back streets, take the sidewalk. Exactly. But i got to tell you, there was there's a guy right at our station here, Robert, and I was talking with him. I told him I'd started riding my bike. This was years ago. He said he had a really good friend in the radio business in another town who decided he was going to get health, and he started riding his bike. He was riding on the sidewalk. And some woman lost control, jumped the curb, and killed him. First day he was going back to work. So oh I, I, I would say that there's probably no perfect way to ride your bicycle. You can even <laughs> fall off of a stationary. But, uh, hey, life is 100% fatal, as we say. So. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. All bleeding eventually stops. Things happen. Things happen, yeah. But anyway, you just what you're doing is kind of like, pushing the odds in your favor, right? I mean, so there like, you go. I think that the, the benefit of riding outweighs the risk of being hit. Yes, that would be, that would be the right thing. That's, that's true. Yeah. So what's your exercise routine? Are you a jogger or a biker? Or? Uh, yeah. So I've run my whole life and I also, I'm play tennis and I do ballroom dancing and I go to the gym and, and lift weights. I did bodybuilding for a while. So I, I go to the gym and lift weights like three days a week. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I'm in outrageous shape. <laughs> well, that's good. I'm and, yeah. and humble too. I, I see that. That's I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> I'm, tr- I'm just truthful. That's right. That's so right. It's thing, just truth. I, I don't even know how to spell humble. Does it begin with a U or an H or what? <laughs> so the next really important thing, too, to monitor is stress. So, you know, what they found is that if a woman has had a really significant stress in her life, like death of a loved one, loss of a job, that kind of thing, that there's a 12 times higher incidence of developing breast cancer in the ensuing five years. So ancient cultures uh, recognized that stress played a huge role in the development of diseases, and so they uh, have, like, regular kind of stress-reducing activities that are recommended. So like in Ayurveda, which is from India, um, they recommend doing meditation every day. Uh, And then, like in China, traditional Chinese medicine, they recommend doing Tai Chi or Qigong, and most people have seen the pictures of all those people out in the big, you know, kind of courtyard areas doing their Tai Chi and Qigong in the morning. And really, this is like something that is considered kind of non-negotiable, like you really have to do some sort of effective stress-reducing technique in order to keep your stress levels down, and it keeps the dangerous stress hormones that are very damaging to the body um, at a minimum. Even if you're exposed to the same stress, it's like your body does not react as strongly as it normally does. And there's huge amounts of research on this. So I practice transcendental meditation and have for the last 20 years. And there's over 600 studies that they've done on transcendental meditation showing that it's a very highly effective technique. And it actually, if you practice it on a regular basis, they found that those individuals have about a 50%, so cut in half, of virtually every chronic disease, you know, that you can think of. So that shows what a huge influence stress really has on our life. Yeah, my wife is big into Tai Chi, and they started meditating uh, at her 
her uh, group, and so now she's morphing back into Buddhism. She converted to Catholicism, and then now she's going back to Buddhism. And <laughs> you would think that her stress levels would be really reduced, but you know, she still yells at me and oh. still gets. You know, maybe, so, maybe I, I'm wait a minute. What's with this? <laughs> <You know? laughs> but uh, she she's just a, uh, a nut about that, and the girl is so limber she can still kick me in the face. With her, with the so. What do you mean, good? What are you talking about, Doc? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so, but uh, there, incidentally, there's a, a a type of heart disease called Takotsubo's cardiomyopathy, and this is primarily in women after they've had a big stress, and it it is we think a localized form of inflammation of the heart muscle, and they come in looking like they're having a heart attack. And they, uh-huh. and we, we cath, we do the cardiac catheterization, all the arteries are open and we make the diagnosis, uh, uh, by exclusion. And generally these people get better, but it is a real phenomena. And that's true that stress can do certain things, but we also have to remember that type two diabetes is an inherited disease, although it may be made worse by diet and uh, lifestyle and activity. Yeah, like there's just are. no, there's <laughs> just no way. Yeah. There's no way to to get around the fact that if you come from a family with type 2 diabetes, your risk for di- for getting diabetes is a lot higher. Well, you know, one of the things that I, I love to emphasize, though, is that um, the research really shows that no matter what genetic, you know, you got in the genetic lottery, that you can have a huge influence on what your health is going to be through, through your course. diet and lifestyle. And it's there's this whole area of study called epigenetics where it's like the foods that we eat, the thoughts that we think, everything has this influence on what genes are read, actually. They turn on certain genes and turn off certain genes. Sure. And, and so you can have a, you know... I just think it's kind of, uh, when you think about your genetics, it's kind of disempowering. Oh, you know, I have this running in my family, but um, I think it's uh, a much better thing to kind of focus on, well, what can you do? And you can really dramatically um, affect how your genes are read and protect your health, like no matter what your, you know, genetics are. Absolutely. But we also have to remember that uh, f- especially for people, for instance, who have the BRCA gene for breast cancer, uh-huh. early and frequent uh, uh, diagnostic and different types of uh, studies and tests that we do are necessary because regardless of your diet, you're still at a much higher risk than the average population. So well, okay. not only is diet and exercise important, but we also have to continue to stress that you need to go in and get your examination and get your mammogram and get your ultrasounds and, and do all the things that you would do anyway, that this is not a replacement for that. It is a supplement to it, and it is a way to decrease your risk but not take, the, take it away completely. Uh, this is another area of my uh, specialty. And actually, what they found with the BRCA1 gene mutation is that 100 years ago, it was one-third, the incidence of breast cancer was one-third of what it is today. So why is that? Well, they found that um, there's a, they're a lot more sensitive to the same diet and lifestyle and all those kinds of things that affect normal women. And then there's been a whole area of research where they've looked at 
various different nutrients and the effect that it has on the BRCA1 gene. So, for instance, omega-3 fatty acids, cruciferous vegetables, um, ginkgo biloba, believe it or not, reduces the incidence of ovarian cancer with a BRCA1 gene mutation by 80%. So we're doing kind of targeted therapies that you can do with these natural, you know, kind of supplements and stuff that... um, actually affect the BRCA1 gene and make it appear less mutated. So the whole uh, concept of this is actually you can drop your risk. If you have a BRCA1 gene mutation, you can drop your risk to that of a normal population by carefully doing, you know, the diet and lifestyle things um, and, and then also supplementing with some of the things that we know help to specifically target that BRCA1 gene. Now, that particular genetic mutation is something that uh, doesn't just affect the breast. It also affects your whole body, so it, like, increases your risk of ovarian cancer, melanomas, pancreatic stuff, so you can't be cutting all those things. Out And to me, it just makes a lot of sense for you to understand exactly what that genetic mutation is and the things that you do that can correct it so you really minimize your risk. Now, the other thing is that because the BRCA1 gene is is actually a tumor suppression gene is is what it governs, Um, you know, what they found is that your DNA repair mechanisms actually are affected too. And so there was a double-blinded placebo-controlled study that was done in Europe with women who had the BRCA1 gene, and what they were testing was giving women selenium, the mineral selenium, uh, as a supplementation because that's involved in the DNA repair mechanisms. And so as they started that study, they found that within a couple of years, there was a dramatic decrease in the incidence of breast cancer in these women. And what they did, too, was they looked in the blood and they looked at DNA fragments. So there's broken pieces of DNA that aren't repairing properly. And so after two years of the study, they were checking the blood of the women with the BRCA1 gene that were taking the selenium, and they found that the DNA fragmentation went back to normal in those women. So this is where I'm saying you can do these incredible corrective things. Now, using mammograms in these women is really highly not advised, and the reason is is that mammograms can increase this uh, DNA breakage because it's got the radiation that's damaging to it. So they found that if women with the BRCA1 gene mutation have a mammogram done, even one before the age like 30 or before, there's a 90% increased risk of breast cancer in those women. So it's really not advised to do the mammograms. Plus, you can't see through dense breast tissue in women uh, under the age of like, you know, 40, 45, which is why there's all this controversy about mammograms. Well, but there... But there's a, there's a couple of points there. The women that are having these mammograms early on are women who have the BRCA gene. Uh, yeah, but this is the thing. You can't see through the breast tissue. It's like it's a worthless examination, and it's dangerous because it increases the risk of breast cancer hugely. Well, that's so the, the, the newer the newer. The newer uh, machines uh, are a lot more. The digital machines are. It's quite a different world. I know because I'm still practicing. Uh-huh. And the risk has gone down considerably with that. And although we don't recommend that you get a mammogram every year, I think that if you do have the BRCA gene and the family history, that it's good to get it. And I would go see somebody who is 
uh, up to date on this. I'm not, I'm not a scholar in the area of breast cancer, but uh, the risk for radiation from the breast cancer uh, exam has gone way down, way down with the digital machines. It's gone down altogether. And indeed, indeed, uh, the theory of hormesis, which was proposed decades ago and appears to still be true, is that people who are exposed to low levels of increased radiation, background radiation, people who work inside nuclear plants, not the control room, but the guys that are around the, the reactor itself, cardiologists, radiologists, they all have a lower incidence of all-cause diseases, except for trauma, of course. They all get bad backs uh, in the radiology and cardiology group from wearing the heavy lead aprons. But the small increased background radiation is is probably protective now. That's not to say that a mammogram is a good thing to get just for protection. That that won't work. But the radiation levels have gone way down with the new machines, and women need not be afraid of that. And remember that those who are at high risk are going to be the ones who have the breast exams early on. So I would I would uh, I would certainly not discourage people from seeking advice and help from competent. Uh, physicians who know this area. Well, what I'm saying is this is my area of expertise, okay, because I'm considered like one of the top experts in this, and I've studied it absolutely extensively. And so what the research is showing is that there's huge controversies about mammography now, just even in general, because there's so many, um, you know, um, problems that are associated with it where they actually came out, I mean, they've been studying women for 25 years in follow-up, and follow-up, and all the major studies that came out in the last few years said, hey, you know, it's looking like the benefits of it are overestimated, the problems with it have been underestimated, and now there's, you know, saying, hey, this looks like it's actually, we're not getting any difference. This is a 25-year study that they did in women who were followed with mammography or women who just did physical examination, and the mortality rate, which is the main indicator that you want to look at in these studies, well, there was absolutely no difference, you know, between those two groups. So we're Sweet, or I'm sorry, Switzerland actually is phasing out their mammography program because they feel like it's unethical to use a, t- a technique that is actually causing more harm than good. So there's alternative screening modalities that you can use that do not use radiation and don't have, you know, a lot of the uh, complications that are associated with that. So uh, there's a technology called thermography, which is an infrared picture of the breast, and it shows heat patterns, so blood vessel patterns uh, that show up. And what we've discovered is that years before you actually get tumor formation, there's some physiological changes that occur in the breast, and that is you get new blood vessels that kind of grow into the area, but they're not normal. They grow in abnormal patterns, and they produce an abnormal amount of heat. So we can actually see these physiological changes years before you actually get a tumor formation. And I've been involved with um, working with uh, thermography and helping uh, people when they have some of these kind of early warning signs that we see but they don't have cancer and doing an aggressive kind of diet and lifestyle and supplement routine. And so what we found is by doing that, we can see that these changes will actually reverse 
quite rapidly, within about 8 to 12 weeks, we were seeing, you know, reversals of these kind of early warning signs. Now, that's a physiological test. You also want to do an anatomical test. And so anatomical tests are things like doing ultrasound. Um, and for people who are a little bit more high risk, then I think an MRI uh, scan is a, is a good option, too. Um, so anyway, that's... <laughs> That's my take on it. Well, understand. And uh, uh-huh. while we're while we're uh, ruminating on that take, let's take a five minute or a two minute break, and uh, everybody go grab a cup of Joe. I'll be right back. This is Doctor Bill, your Radio MD. With SRN News, I'm Val Dior. Virginia Governor Terry McAuliffe will visit two Charlottesville churches and speak to congregants following violent clashes in the city between groups that has left three dead as well as dozens injured. Lieutenant Governor Ralph Northam will join McAuliffe at both Sunday services. They'll meet at Mount Zion First African Baptist Church and visit First Baptist Church. Canadian Pastor Hyun Soo Lim reunited with his family in Ontario Saturday after being imprisoned in North Korea for two years. He was arrested in 2015, sentenced to hard labor for life on charges of attempting to overthrow the Pyongyang regime. The 62-year-old is said to be in good health. And security is high in New York City as the president returns to Trump Tower from vacation. That's where he will stay as the White House undergoes some minor renovations. For more details, visit srnnews.com. I'm Val Dior. Dr. Bill for Bay Area Medical, located at 6399 38th Avenue North in St. Pete, 727-384-6411, 727-384-6411. Full-service clinic with x-ray, heart imaging, ultrasound, stress testing, and minor surgery. We provide quality health care in a warm and friendly atmosphere. We are multilingual, well-trained, and certified. Most American insurance and new patients accepted. Bay Area Medical, home of can care, 727-384-6411. 727-384-6411. Dr. Bill for West Coast Radiology. Our good friends at West Coast Radiology offer convenient and comprehensive x-ray diagnostics, including open MRI, CT scan, CT PET mammography, and ultrasound. With state-of-the-art equipment and four convenient locations, you're assured of friendly, comprehensive care. Most insurance is accepted and competitive self-pay rates, plus Saturday appointments. Call West Coast Radiology at 727-771-2795. That's 727-771-2795. This is Todd Chapman with Food for the Poor. Two weeks ago, I visited a desperately poor village in Southeast Haiti. The 200 families living in Kokoye have nothing. No food, no clean water. Their houses are not even fit for human habitation. But we are going to bring change to this community. A one-time gift of just $50 will feed a child for an entire year and bring them clean, safe drinking water for life. Would you help now by calling 855-353-4673 or give online at am860theanswer.com. I'm Bill Carl. For years here at Salem Media Group, we've made it our mission to help parents across the Tampa Bay, Sarasota, Bradenton area provide a quality Christian education for their children at half off the first year's tuition. Sarasota Christian has been a great fit for our daughters. They both receive an excellent education uh, with the ability to exercise their Christian faith. Right now, when you go to ChristianTuitions.com, you'll find a wide selection of private Christian schools in your area with half off the first year's tuition. The teachers are real about their faith. You know they're praying for 
for their kids, for other kids, for other families in the school. It's a strong faith-based Christian school. That's right. Find a great Christian school near you with half off your first year's tuition at ChristianTuitions.com. We're learning about Jesus and God and how God created the world. If finances are the only reason you're not sending your child to a private Christian school, go to ChristianTuitions.com today for half off your first year's tuition. ChristianTuitions.com. Partly cloudy skies today, shower early, followed by thunderstorms this afternoon and a high of 90. Patchy clouds this evening, low 80. Then tomorrow, mix of clouds and sunshine with a shower thunderstorm in the afternoon, high 91. Partly cloudy tomorrow night, low 80. Thunderstorm on Tuesday, high 91. That's your AccuWeather forecast. I'm Gigi Getz for AM860, The Answer. And I'm back. This is Dr. Bill, your radio MD, and I have a special guest with me today, Dr. Christine Horner, who is a board-certified plastic surgeon and has now morphed into um, healthy, natural lifestyle as ways of preventing uh, a physician who advocates this as ways of preventing a number of diseases. But, you know, i got to tell you, Dr. Horner, now, I don't care if beer makes me pregnant. I'm not going to give it up. So... If 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 that's a problem, then then we're going to have to part ways. <laughs> you, get, you get to have your choice, you know. So my whole purpose is like to educate people so they know and they have a choice. If they don't know, then they're not. Then they don't have a choice. So you, you got to choose. <laughs> yep, and I you know I agree with you. Uh, an MRI is a much better exam and uh, less radiation. Although there is radiation because what it does is it stimulates the uh, electron shells and water molecules and various tissues to uh, be excited and then the electrons jump up to a higher energy level and then they drop back down and when they drop back down they actually release uh, a little packet of energy uh, a photon or a gamma ray or whatever you want to call it so but it is a much lower uh, amount of radiation and it's a much better exam but nobody pays for it. That's a problem. You know, it, it, you, you can't get an MRI of your breast and get your insurance company to pay for it in this present day and age unless you've already had screening and you're getting it for further uh, investigation to see if there's any area that is showing up on the MRI but not on the mammography so that the uh, radiologist or the surgeon, when they biopsy, they know where to go. So that's the problem is the cost of it. Yeah, and so, I, I agree with you. It's a much better exam, and it's much safer, but uh, yeah. where, do, where point, do we get it? Another point I want to uh, talk about, too, is uh, about uh, hormone replacement therapy. So uh, this is another kind of passion of mine. My mom actually got breast cancer and died from it within about nine months um, after getting it. And and so this was, you know, she was put on hormone replacement therapy. This is decades ago when it was, you know, much stronger and that kind of thing. But in 2003, the Women's Health Initiative came out and showed that um, hormone replacement therapy did not do all the things that we thought it would do. I mean, we used to think it was like the fountain of youth, but um, they found that, in fact, it increased the risk of breast cancer quite substantially, uterine cancer, gallbladder disease, you know, blood clots and all sorts of stuff. So the 
prescribing practices kind of changed overnight uh, in 2003 when we got that information. And, and so fascinatingly, what they found was that the next year, the incidence of breast cancer went down 7%, and the year after that, it went down another 7%, and now it's stayed, you know, kind of stable. So when women are going through menopause, um, we are actually designed to go through it without, as an easy kind of transition, and very few people really experience that. I think that the stats are, you know, something like 75% of women, you know, experience hot flashes and other kinds of um, menopausal symptoms. And so by doing the healthy diet and lifestyle and everything that I talk about in my books, um, what they found is that it substantially uh, decreases the uh, problems with, you know, menopausal symptoms. And then if you still find that you need, you know, help, which or during the transition kind of phase when you're you're going into a you know healthier diet and lifestyle, there's a lot of different plant-based uh, help that you can uh, use that uh, does not have any you know bad side effects to it. So. For instance, there's um, a supplement uh, that originated from Sweden, and it's made from flowers in Sweden that kind of look like yellow daisies. And they found that it is, uh, it's called relizen, R-E-L-I-Z-E-N. And so they found that relizen is something that is highly effective at helping not only with hot flashes, but also mood swings and sleep disturbances and so forth. And relizen is actually uh, started in Europe, so it's like been there, used there for about 15 years and came to this country about three years ago. The thing I was impressed with is that they really focused on researching this with the same rigors that you would do with a pharmaceutical medication. So they set up double-blinded placebo-controlled studies in university settings here, and, and that's where we get, you know, the best kind of information um, as far as the studies are concerned. And again, really documented that it was highly effective for the hot flashes and mood swings and sleep disturbances and that kind of thing. So now there's over 2,000 OBGYNs that are recommending relevant to their patients, which I think is great because, um, you know, it doesn't have any side effects to it, which is something that they documented, too, when they compared it to placebo. There was no increased side effects, you know, compared to placebo. But there, there is a... There is a caveat here, and that is that the plant-based estrogens have not been shown to protect against osteoporosis. So that'll have to be addressed as part of the whole uh, as part of the whole healthcare regimen uh, in women who do use natural or plant-based estrogens in lieu of low dose. It's not estrogenic. It's non-hormonal, so it doesn't even work that way. So, and that's the same thing with like maca, uh, you know, is another thing like a superfood from uh, Peru. Um, they found that that is, uh, balances your hormones, non-hormonal, so completely safe, you know, with women who have had breast cancer. Um, so that's, it's not how that works. And, um, you know, for osteoporosis, um, again, I think diet and lifestyle is, you know, the most important thing. So we found that people will absorb their calcium and minerals much better in a plant-based rather than in the synthetic form. And um, also uh, doing exercises, you know, uh, something that really helps with your bone density, particularly weight-bearing exercises and so forth. So, yeah. So uh, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Anyway, uh, but the problem that we see in our practice uh, and uh, I've heard even nationally 
syndicated physicians say, well, if you live in an area where there's not as much sun like New York, you're going to have lower vitamin D levels, perhaps, uh-huh. than, which is a, a complete misunderstanding on their part as we age our ability to convert D1 to D2 and D2 to D3 decreases. And uh, I've got tons of people who are out in the sun all the time in Florida here, and they have low vitamin D2 levels, which is what we measure. D3 is the active drug. So there are certainly uh, things that happen to us as we age. Certainly diet, a healthy diet and lifestyle can help, but there are just a large number of people that have to have supplementation or they're going to get osteoporosis and uh, have other problems associated with low vitamin D levels. Not life-threatening, but a nuisance anyway. Yeah, so that, I mean, it is kind of interesting with vitamin D. There's been kind of an explosion of research in that area in the last decade or so, and we found that vitamin D actually acts like a hormone in our body rather than, you know, like a vitamin, and it's... uh, super important for the normal physiology of virtually every cell in our body. So when you have low vitamin D levels, it's like amazing where you see the lineup of all the different diseases that it it puts you at risk for. So it's not just, you know, bone loss. It's also neurological diseases like Parkinson's, multiple sclerosis, um, and also cancers. So low vitamin D levels are, you know, definitely associated with an increased risk of breast cancer, prostate, you know, colon. But you can go on and on. There's so many different diseases with that. And so that's why physicians are really focusing on um, encouraging people to get their vitamin D levels checked and then have them, you know, try to keep their levels in that kind of therapeutic range because it will uh, really optimize your health. And uh, so you actually don't even need to go to a doctor's office to get your vitamin D levels checked. There's a, a website you can go to called thepowerofd.org. And um, if, when you go there, you can order a kit that comes to your house. It has uh, instructions in it, but basically what you're doing is pricking your finger and putting a little dot on the piece of paper and sending that in. And uh, then they will contact you and let you know what your vitamin D levels are. And um, everybody kind of metabolizes vitamin D differently. So some people, I mean, in the past we'd say, oh, you need 400, 400 international units a day. Now we recognize that most people need about 2,000 as a minimum. And some people need a lot more than that, you know, just depending on how they're metabolizing their vitamin D. Now, the and absorption. Thing, yeah. There, uh, another thing that's... Uh, really great about getting that kit from the from the internet is that you get entered into an international study that's doing data collection about uh, vitamin D and the incidence of disease so uh, anyway that's that's pretty cool but definitely something that you want to make sure you know that your levels are are up yeah I agree. Um, no matter how much I take, mine seem to stay low. So uh, there may even be some more research necessary to determine whether or not the tests that we're using for checking vitamin D levels are accurate because obviously my bones are strong and I don't have any of my PSA is almost zero. Um, so it, it, I think there's a little bit more to it, but we certainly have a lot of research to show that uh, adequate dosages and blood levels of vitamin D3 are important to good health in a number of areas. I agree with you. Yeah. 100%. But I would uh, say to my patients that that I think that if you do have low levels, you need to be followed up by your physician 
Uh, that being me, yeah. not that I need more <laughs> more more patience or money, but right. but I, I think it's important so that we can monitor certain things like your bone yeah. density, especially in women. I, I I think that if everybody does everything on their own at home, they're going to end up having other problems that are, that arise because they're not going in for the routine maintenance that you can get. I mean, it doesn't have to be three four or five times a year. You can go in once a year if you're otherwise healthy and just get a few things checked. Sure. And, and including uh, uh, palpation of the breast for lumps and bumps, uh, although most women can do it adequately. We have a large population of older people in, in St. Petersburg. We have, In fact, we have the oldest, oldest population per capita percentage-wise of any city in the world that keeps really? records. At least we used to. That may have changed within the past 10 years, but 10 years ago that was true. So we call St. Petersburg God's waiting room, or the newlywed and the nearly dead all move here. Uh, so your your parents retired to Miami and Fort Lauderdale, and their parents retired to St. Petersburg, Florida. So the, and actually the incidence of breast cancer is highest, as you know, in older women. and. Uh, and the low vitamin D levels are common in older people because we don't convert it as we get older. And I'm still not giving up my beer. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> you can put the vitamin D in the beer if you want. There but, you uh, go. So, so it's, it's vitally important that people realize that even though there are a lot of ways in which they can help themselves, diet, exercise, uh, uh, proper frame of mind, uh, meditation, rest, uh, Getting all those things that you need, the same things Hippocrates talked about 2,500 years ago, you still need to come in and see your doctor every once in a while and get the routine checkups and maintenance. Yep. So combination, I would say combination of Western with complementary and alternative medicine, which unfortunately means diet and exercise kind of stuff too, but that's definitely been shown to be the most effective. Christine, um, I got to tell you this. I, we just went to China at the beginning of the summer, and and so uh, when the cabbies would find out that I'm a doctor, they'd say, well, well, feel my pulse, and so I'd feel their pulse, and they'd say, what's wrong with me, which is the traditional <laughs> Chinese herbalist way of dealing with a lot of problems. They feel your pulse and look in your eyes and, and then give you so, hear your symptoms and give you some herbs. So uh, I, th- I think that perhaps there's some parts of the uh, old world medicine that are not all that valuable. Uh, well, actually, believe it or not, I've been, uh, I studied pulse diagnosis, which is similar to the traditional Chinese medicine, but within Ayurveda. And so, uh, believe it or not, you can feel, so that the whole philosophy of it, as far as we're looking at modern, you know, physics, is that uh, as the blood flows through the body, it gets in contact with every cell and tissue in the body, and so it picks up a vibration from that that you can feel on the pulse. And it's really amazing the information that you can get from it you use three fingers and you check on different levels and and you can actually get a tremendous amount of information you know based on the pulse and and we can uh, pick up imbalances that occur 
when like a lot of times people will come in and they'll say, I'm just not feeling well, and you, you do all the tests and everything comes out normal. And at least when I was in med school or residency, we'd say, oh, it's all in their head kind of thing. Well, actually, at that point, you can actually feel, feel some irregularities in the pulse that would say, okay, you do have imbalances and you're starting to feel those things. And, and so then you can um, do the recommendations for the corrections, you know, for that. But it actually is quite spectacular, you know, what, what you can pick up. You know, well, there's pulse. no doubt about that. I mean, you can, you can, you know, cardiologists uh, as myself can feel the pulse and tell a lot of what's going on uh, in terms of cardiovascular disease. Uh, so I don't, I don't, I don't uh, certainly debate that, but uh, I do think that there are some limitations to the um, naturopathic way of diagnosing. Well, uh, you know, like there's limitations to the Western one too, because you actually have to have structural changes, you know, to pick stuff up. So, again, I think a combination of it and. Um, and it's really quite fascinating. Like I said, it's been used for thousands and thousands of years, and there's a reason why, you know, with that, too, where it's got valuable information. But definitely you want to do a combination of the two. Yeah, and I, uh, I, 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 I hearken back to an episode where I had a, uh, an English patient come in, and we see a lot of tourists and visitors since we're in St. Petersburg, and the guy was in heart failure, and... Uh, I couldn't hear a murmur. I couldn't hear anything uh, other than just the rouse, the abnormal lung sounds from the fluid. And I called his physician, the or the physician in England who was working with the insurance company, and told him everything and what I thought. And he said, "Well, you know, you're not hearing this. You're not doing that. Blah 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 blah. I don't think it's that serious. You don't admit them. You can give them diuretics and send them home." Well, we did an ultrasound of the heart and had wide open regurgitation, mitral regurgitation. So the left ventricle, the big squeezing ventricle, was pushing most of the blood back into the left-sided receiving chamber. You, you can't always tell by physical exam. And a lot of our new techniques of diagnosis are safe and they're effective and they'll give you a lot more information than just doing a physical exam. You know, you got to use it all. So tell me about your new book. So my new book is called Radiant Health, Ageless Beauty, and it is um, everything that you need to know in order to achieve extraordinary health and longevity. So it's not just foods and supplements, but it's also talking about, you know, all the different lifestyle factors, you know, that we've uh, discovered. And one of the things that uh, we've discovered is that our emotions actually play a huge role on our health. And when they looked at uh, studies as far as what affects longevity and also outcomes with disease, they found that the thing that affects us more than diet, more than smoking, and more than genetics is feeling loved and supported. So we're like wired, you know, to be in loving, supportive relationships. When that happens, it's like our body actually releases these chemicals and that are uh, extremely health-promoting. The opposite of that is if you're in toxic relationships, it's actually considered the worst type of stress that the human body can experience. And I've, you know, worked with breast cancer patients a lot, do consultations with them on the on the phone to help them with an integrative approach, and so. So many times I have women who talk with me and they're like, I don't understand why I got this. I'm normal weight. I exercise. I, you know, eat well and all this kind of stuff. And I'll say, well, how are your 
relationships. And it's like, ooh. So you can't really minimize the effect that uh, having huge amounts of stress from relationships that aren't working, you know, can really have on your on your body. Yep. So, yep. Yeah, I agree. And listen, I, I'm hoping my wife is listening. <laughs> it's very important to reduce the, the stress of her husband and to be in a loving <laughs> mode when she approaches me. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that's marriage. You know, it's fun. I enjoy it. And she's a good gal. So uh, we're getting close to the end of the show here. And geez, I really appreciate you coming on. It's been a lot of fun, actually and challenging and, and interesting and stimulate a lot of thought. And I want to leave everybody with a, a few roundups here. This is Dr. Christine Horner, and she's written two books. Give me the name of those books real quick, sure. Christine. The first one is Waking the Warrior Goddess. The second, that's the breast cancer prevention. The second one is Radiant Health, Ageless Beauty. And uh, as I said, both, both won National Book Awards for the best book in health medicine and nutrition. Um, they're available everywhere. If you want an autographed copy, you can get it from my website, which is drchristinehorner.com. D R C H R I S T I N E H O R N E R dot com. Very good. And uh, I would say that Dr. Horner has a lot of good points, and we certainly need to, to emulate her as best as we can in terms of a healthy lifestyle and eating the right foods. But also, let's not forget that we need to see the doctors, and uh, we, we can't throw all this out the window. So this is complimentary, as the good doctor has said. Getting close to the end of the show, folks. It's been great. Uh, I'm so happy that you came on. And, Bill, appreciate you, buddy. We'll see everybody next week. This is Dr. Bill, your Radio MD. Well, all right now, what do you think about it, folks? Here we go. Man says $100 now, too. Here we go. $300 for her. $500, said the lady. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.